This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. White Fungus is an art magazine founded by two brothers from New Zealand, based in Taichung. The magazine recently signed a major distribution deal with London-based company White Cirque, which works with more than 80 distributors in about a hundred countries worldwide. I caught up with one of White Fungus's founders, Ron Hansen, at Taipei's Museum of Contemporary Art to talk about what Taiwan's art scene has to offer. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. So. Because of this deal, your magazines are going to be in cities all over the world, in in Moscow, and in, in London, in Brisbane, and the flip side to that is that people in those cities are going to have a chance to see the work of some Taiwanese artists uh, in in places all over the world. But even maybe even more exciting than that is some of the other work that you've done. You've actually brought those artists, you've organized events, and brought those artists to to those cities. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, some of those events and and what that's been like? Yeah, well, as well as publishing, we hold a lot of different events around the world, and we've held events in New York, San Francisco. We're about to hold an event in Berlin, and we we really enjoy taking Taiwanese artists to these cities and holding events where we mix them in with local artists from that city and um, present them to new audiences. And um, that's something we really enjoy doing, and and we want to do this all over the world so people really are up on the play when it comes to Taiwan art. I think that the success of your magazine is is a sign that people are really uh, interested in the art scene in Taiwan. What do you think is behind that interest? What do you think people are finding here in Taiwan that is keeping them coming back? Well, I mean, in a general sense, people are interested in art in Asia. I mean, it's just you know, there's just a, a huge growth of the industry in Asia. I think the Asian industry, the art scene, is growing, and and you know, before long, could eventually be the dominant scene. It's still. You know, New York and Europe, you know, are still the dominant places. But the scene here is rising, and Taiwan is a key part of it. What do you think that observers of art are finding in Taiwan that they haven't found in other places that they haven't seen before? Stories, unique stories. Um, you know, we really are in a globalized world now, where everything is so connected. But Taiwan is one of these interesting places where. Yeah, it's been in between major shifts during the Cold War. It was a really pivotal place in the in the Cold War, and and it suffered from that at times. And it's it's been through all sorts of waves of colonization. And now, Taiwan is at a really interesting point where it's kind of where the East meets the West. And you know, with the rise of China, it's a really key place to be. And so, I think people are interested in, in the story of Taiwan is the story of the world. And it's a, it's an interesting perspective to view these shifts from. How do Taiwanese artists engage with that history? Well, you know, some Taiwanese artists are really involved and engaged, and others are less engaged. But I'm, I'm in particular, I'm, I'm a huge fan of two um, Taipei artists, Chen Jirian and Yao Raijong. The Chen Jirian, he deals with a lot of the historical shifts in, in Taiwan. He's particularly interested in in the sort of wave of neoliberal economics, which has seen a lot of factories move to mainland China, a lot of people lose their jobs. Uh, you know, he did a, a work called Factory, where he made a video where he took former employees of an actual textile factory, took them back to the the empty building where they once worked, and got them to reenact their previous duties. 
and what what had happened there is this factory had moved and these people had pensions that were owed to them and they weren't paid and they were still unemployed and and so he's he's telling stories of of marginal figures who have you know get left behind in these massive shifts another artist Yo Ray Jong so um, so what was his what was his art um he made a video work um of this so he took these 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 people back um, who, who worked them, got them to reenact their their old routines and he just got them to run through it and he filmed it. He's got this incredible use of uh, the camera where it's just these really slow, long takes. And he creates these video installations. So you they're like huge video screens, but you often go and experience it in a gallery space and you can sit down on the floor and just get really immersed within it. Another artist, Yo Ray Jong, he is really interested in some of the shifts and often take, takes a parodic kind of a, approach that brings a lot of humour. Uh, for example, in 1997, he did a work called um, Recovering Mainland China, whereas, you know, Yo Ray Jong was one of the generation of artists who were still taught in Taiwan that that Taiwan was eventually going to retake mainland China. Um, that was the official policy. So after he had done his um, compulsory military service, he went to China wearing his uniform and posed in front of a lot of different historic monuments as if he was there, a one-man army, there to actually carry out the government policy. He told me that once he was actually travelling to China and he had these this work in his bag and he got stuck at customs and people were like, you know, what, what's the deal with this? And it took him a while to explain that this is just art. He's not actually really going there to retake um, the mainland. Um, but, that, you know, that's quite an interesting sort of a, an example of, of how he engages with Taiwan's uh, historical reality, which is, it can be described as absurd. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it, there's an absurdity to it. Do you think that that's pretty common in Taiwan for uh, artists to be involved in public life? It, it is with some artists, and well, in the 1990s, there was a wave of what was called Taiwanization. You know, it was after the the martial law period, and artists were really interested in exploring a lot of suppressed histories of Taiwan. A lot of artists were dealing with Aboriginal cultures, and just yeah, these hidden histories, and uh, that was a real. A, time of great engagement and then in the 2000s you know a lot of the younger artists coming up weren't as interested in that they were more concerned more sort of following trends of you know global art trends things that they picked up on the internet and so forth um, but I think there's a re-emergence now there's almost a new wave of artists starting to become interested in this and an example I would give is the artist Betty Apple who's a um, an artist we've worked with a lot and I think is is going to be a huge star just give her a little bit of time and I think it's going to be great for Taiwan but you know she's very in, involved in the nuclear movement which is obviously the anti-nuclear anti movement which is obviously huge here and she's helped organize um, uh, protest actions and she's made music dealing with it and and so I think there is a new wave of Taiwanese artists that that is becoming more engaged with that. Taiwan is a really complicated and, and a very complicated political and historical conundrum, you could say, and, and there's just a lot of material there, and people are, are used to having to contest things here. They're used to having to resist and really work hard to maintain your own identity and autonomy amongst all these larger forces that can wash over an island, a small island like this. 
One form of art that's really taken off in Taiwan is uh, sound art. Can you talk a little bit about what that art is and why it's been so successful in Taiwan? It's really flourishing in Taiwan. There's a couple of organizations that organize stuff, uh, Candler Records and Lacking Sound Festival regularly hold events. There's a gallery called The Cube, which supports a lot of stuff. Taipei Contemporary Arts Centre is very open to it. So there's the institutional support, and there's a large number of artists. Now, you know, sound art, it's been developing since the early 20th century, and artists experimenting with atonal structures going beyond melody, beyond, you know, the, the sort of hegemony of the of the song and dealing with different sort of textures of sound that come from often industrial machinery or sometimes taking field recordings. There's an artist, Yannick Dorby, who's actually a French artist but lives in Taipei and he likes to go into the countryside and record animal sounds and Aboriginal cultures. So there's sound art can really run the full gamut from dealing with technology and glitches in technology and un unintended purposes of technology to field recordings of, of traditional life and, and nature and, and so forth. You know, a few years back, um, Amy Chang, is, who's a very important curator here, curated the um, Venice Biennale Pavilion for Taiwan, and it was dedicated to sound art. Now, I think that's a really bold move for a small country to, to undertake, to, to say we're going to dedicate our national representation of Venice, which the Venice Biennale is the biggest contemporary art event in the world, and we're going to say we're going to focus our energies on sound art, so that was just huge. A really pivotal figure in Taiwan is Wong Furei. I mean, we're at, at Mocha Taipei right now. Uh, Furei just had a solo exhibition here just a short time ago. And um, he's just going nuts this year. He's done performances in, in Austria, in New York, Berlin, Hong Kong, Tokyo. And what's his art like? Uh, well, he does installations. He had, had, had a lot of um, light installations and sound installations in, at Mocha. And he does noise performances. Wong Fu Rei is considered the godfather of Taiwan noise and sound art. He went to San Francisco in the early 90s, mid-90s, and studied um, at the Art Institute of, of San Francisco. And he there was a lot of noise going on at the time, and he was picking up on this. And then he came back to Taiwan. He started the first ever publication about sound art called Noise. He started a record label and started releasing recordings. And he is also uh, the head of the Sound and Technology Lab at Taiwan National University of the Arts. And so most of the big young artists have formerly been his students. So he's really just a huge figure, and, and now he's just really exploding on the world stage. We actually took him back to San Francisco last year. Um, sorry, this year for a performance at the Lab, which is a sound art venue in San Francisco. So Furay's a you know a really huge figure and a major force for why this is happening. Um, another really thing to point out this year is this year a Taipei artist Hong Kai Wong was included in an exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, the first ever major exhibition of sound art at the Museum of Modern Art, which is you know of course the world's biggest art museum for contemporary art and modern art so she was part of that and you know got a huge amount of publicity for it so i think it's the result of you know some people have really laid down some hard work and then of course we come along and we've discovered that people are interested in this all over the world so 
we've got a chance to take these artists all over the world and say, hey, this is really happening in Taiwan. I mean, I think people in other parts of Asia are starting to take notice. They're like, oh, it's kind of exciting in Taiwan for sound art now because it's getting more developed and there's just a hunger and an energy which you um, sometimes find lacking in the West where it's been going for longer. There's not that same drive. Here, there's a real drive to get it done and I'm just so excited to see what, what's already happened and to see what can happen in, in the next few years building on, on this groundwork. All right. Well, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. We've been speaking to Ron Hansen, editor and co-director of White Fungus Magazine. To close out the podcast today, we're going to play a clip of some of the sound art made by one of the artists mentioned during the interview. This is just a little taste of a track by Betty Apple, titled, It Was Power That Corrupted Them. You can find more of her work at BettyApple.com. To learn more about White Fungus Magazine, you can visit them online at WhiteFungus.com. Thanks for listening in. For Taiwan Talk, I'm Keith Manconi. Thank you.